Welcome to episode 153 of Sweat Out, Happiness In. We're Lauren and Jason Pack, and we believe that fitness should be for anybody, everybody, and everybody. Let's get into the show. What's up, Achievers? It's episode 153. We're extremely tired because Kendrick is sleeping horribly. <laughs> we jinxed it. He, he's been sleep. I mean, Lauren has been... Um, Lauren took a bunch of sleep training courses um, and has really coached him uh, and programmed for him <laughs> to be an excellent sleeper for really the last year. Like, yeah, I mean, for a long time. We like sleep trained him at five months. It was amazing. If you follow Taking Care of Babies on Instagram, highly, highly recommend it if you have a little one at home who's struggling because uh, it was amazing. I mean, very good. Literally yeah. within like three nights, four nights, he was sleeping through the night at five months old. And then we've gone through sleep regressions, obviously, since then, but not in a long time. Like yeah. he's just been a good sleeper. I would say from 12 months to now, we haven't had a single like midnight wake up or really even early morning wake up. But things have been rough the last <laughs> couple of days, to say the least. But, you know, it's a phase and it shall pass. Yeah. I mean, from avoiding naps to, I mean, I guess he's been waking up at 4 to 5 a.m., right? Yeah. And kind of just constant crying. And now it's worse because, <laughs> I mean, it's always bad when you hear your kid crying. But when they're infants or newborns, they're just like crying. And so you just go in and soothe them. But like sometimes, you know, if you know that they're fine, you can leave them in there because they're, you know, that they're fed, you know, that they're safe, like they are just crying. But. <laughs> When, when they're very verbal, now he's like, Mama, I don't want to sleep anymore. <laughs> <laughs> like yelling into the monitor. So I'm like, well, crap. <laughs> You're being very clear to me. <laughs> yeah, so Lauren's been feeling super guilty. And of course, no one can kind of help out really. So I come in or um, if uh, Lauren's parents are... Um, with us and they try to come in it's just like no get out get out mama 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 <laughs> and yeah basically you're the sole person that he he wants during that time yeah he's uh i'm clearly his comfort comforter <laughs> <laughs> although weirdly the other night so we went to my parents house for thanksgiving weekend or week i guess um and we've been we've been they live very close by, so we didn't do any traveling. They've been in our pod for this whole uh, quarantine time, thankfully. Um, but he was like really, I think he got really scared being in a new location. So it was the first morning yeah. that he woke up and he was like yelling. And so we ran in right away. And usually I just go, but you knew he was like scared. So you were behind me. Yeah. And I went in and he pushed me out of the room and called for you, called for Dada. <laughs> and I was like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah, I think the only that might have been the only time ever that that situation happened. But He was yeah, like, give me the nervous. bigger, stronger person, <laughs> <laughs> whoever's going to save me. <laughs> and when I looked around, I think there was like a your parents have a giant clock in that room and yeah. it's like a dark void when I looked into it I was like is that what is that what's scaring you and he's like yeah oh. <laughs> I mean he said he, I could have said anything he probably would have said, yes, said yeah but, um, but yeah I guess he's he's learning to understand what even being scared is so. yeah right and yeah. so yeah now I'm of course I'm researching like when do kids start becoming afraid of the dark or <laughs> is he getting his two his like molars you know it could be anything I know it could be a million things and I'm thankful for all my my mom community who I posted something this morning like is toddler sleep regression a thing because you hear about like four month sleep regression yeah, yeah. and all the early ones I was like he's two I thought it was supposed to be behind us <laughs> but of course everybody's like nope that's definitely a thing and it will not last forever somebody recently said wait until your kid's 12 and they want to sleep till noon and you can't wake them up in the morning oh, <laughs> I was like I know that will be frustrating <laughs> no that they want to stay in bed until noon until noon and then 
That was it. Oh, that's it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> They're basically saying like someday you're gonna want your kid to wake up. Oh, I see, I see. Instead, they're going to be resisting. So the opposite, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, the challenges are always evolving, or they're ever-evolving, um, and someday someday we'll be like, won't you just get out of bed, like, wake up, <laughs> instead of wishing that he would just sleep a little longer, so... Anyway, that was a really long introduction to a podcast about pull-ups. About pull-ups. <laughs> so also about sleep training, if you're interested. <laughs> so um, we yeah. got a question asked to us... Um, in our IG stories, when we polled you all about uh, different uh, topics for the podcast, Lauren, I'll have you read this from Amber Petrucci. Petrucci, um, how do I learn to do a pull up? No coach seems to be able to help me except to tell me to use a band, <laughs> which is definitely we can feel your frustration there. Like just saying, just use a band and you'll figure out how to do pull ups is not quite enough information. <laughs> um, but we know that you know it can be. It's actually, we're going to do a whole podcast episode on how to achieve your first pull-up because it is complicated. And so if you're asking somebody for a quick answer, our quick answer would also be to use bands. If yeah. that was going to be our, you know, one sentence. One, one word answer, answer would definitely be to use bands. But there's a lot more to it. Yeah. Um, so we will kind of kick things off by saying that, I mean, if you want to get better at anything, really, you should probably try to as closely mimic that pattern as possible right right and so we i mean this whole podcast podcast is basically going to be about using bands to get your first pull up <laughs> so sorry amber if we if you were expecting some sort of specialized answer but the thing that we want to get across is a lot of people will maybe start with bands or maybe start with an assisted pull-up machine and then they'll realize that their progress isn't as quick as they'd like and they want something to kind of leapfrog that progress and they jump to exercises that are similar or adjacent to the pattern but not quite the pattern and so you'll see a lot of what we call specialized variety type of exercises where people will do um, eccentric pull-ups where they'll jump up to the bar and slowly lower themselves down or they'll jump up to the bar and then pause at the top and do isometric pull-ups or they'll do all sorts of um, different variations uh, in order to basically um, mimic a pull-up but not quite do the exact pulling motion. Yeah, and even, I would say even beyond that, because we would recommend sometimes using sometimes, those yep. eccentrics and isometrics, but we see a lot of people talking about, you know, like, or doing uh, horizontal rows, TRX rows or TRX pull-ups, things like that, that just yep. are not, like, fully, they're not on the bar getting in the reps, basically. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Those are good, like, as kind of assistance exercises, but the if your goal is to do a pull-up, the meat of your workout should be pull-ups or band-assisted pull-ups because band-assisted pull-ups mimic the pull-up pattern so closely. Exactly, yeah. So it's not to bash or say that any of those exercises won't help or won't or aren't good just as exercises, yep. <laughs> you know, standalone things. But getting more reps in of the actual exercise that you're trying to accomplish is going to be your ultimate best way to, to get there. Yeah. So in this episode, we'll talk about how to use the right form, like the best form to use when using bands. Well, am I <clears throat> getting a oh, frog? Oh, no, your in my frog is hand. back. <laughs> <clears throat> I think it's because I'm drinking way too much coffee. Hold on. I'll drink more coffee. Hold on. <laughs> Do you want my water? Mm-hmm. We'll talk about form. <clears throat> we'll talk about um, the technique that we'd recommend uh, for your band assisted pull ups. We'll talk about how to program 
so the different sets and reps that you might want to consider, um, the frequency you should try to hit, um, as well as some special extenuating circumstances where you might want to apply um, some of these more specialized variety types of exercises. Yeah. All right. But um, Lauren, do you want to kick things off with talking about form in general? Yeah. General principles. So how to use the bands, basically. Yeah. So form with bands. Yeah. So. When we recommend using bands, the first thing is we recommend getting a variety of sizes of bands. So we really like Perform Better Super Bands. We'll link that in the show notes. Um, But they have everywhere from, I think, two and a half inch thickness to a half inch thickness. And we recommend having three, four, or five different sizes of bands available to you, Um, starting with a band that allows you to get about eight repetitions, eight to ten repetitions in currently where you're at and then having some thinner bands to be able to progress to. So that's kind of step one is just making sure you have the right bands available to you. Yeah, I would say 80% of people start on the one and three quarters band, I believe. Yeah, I think it's a green one. The green one, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Which seems way too thick, but you'll understand why we recommend that band as we get along into this episode. Yeah, when you're looking for them, I would say a one and three quarter inch band, a one inch band, or the one and one eighth yeah, inch band. Yeah, I like band. the one and one eighth a lot, yeah, actually. It's a purple. purple. So it goes one. green, purple, and then black. yellow is the three quarter inch band. Yellow is three quarters. There is yeah. a one inch, too, which is just straight up black. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Well, we have the ability that we have like 100 bands. We do have but a lot if somebody of bands. was going to get <laughs> if somebody was going to get four, I would probably go one and three quarter inch, one and an eighth inch, mm-hmm. three quarter inch, half inch. That's true. Especially because you can double up exactly. and kind of make You can put the half inch on the three quarter and the three quarter inch double them up, but that makes That makes 1.25, 1. which is a little more than the purple. Oh shoot. Well, it still works. It's fine. <laughs> anyway, we'll we'll explain how to progress from band to band in, in a little bit um, down the road, but just wanted to get that initial kind of like idea in your head that you are going to need some different sizes of bands to be able to really do this well. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of form, so you want to wrap your band around the pull-up bar and you want to have, you always want to make sure you have your foot in the band. Um, the only exception would be if you if your pull-up bar is so low that you can't fully hang with your legs straight, then you could go knee in the band and bend your knees. But otherwise, we really, really like to have your legs straight. So your foot pushing down into the band with the other foot just next to it. And that gives you the ability to fully hang. And it also keeps you able to really connect through your whole body and create total body tension. When your knee is bent and your feet are behind you, it's a lot more challenging to engage your glutes, to engage your abs, everything. The rest of your body is kind of like dead weight that you're trying to pull, as opposed to when your foot is in the band and your legs are straight, you can really squeeze your legs together. You can think about kind of keeping this kind of connection through your core and everything feels a lot stronger. So just that alone, that difference of knee versus foot in the band, we would always recommend foot. So just stepping into the band, having it right in the arch of your foot, always recommend holding onto the bar with your knee foot in the band and your knee bent, then straightening out your leg and then coming to a hang. If you have your knee bent and then you hang and then you try to straighten out your leg, you'll start to swing, you'll feel really uncoordinated. So hold onto the bar, Put your foot in the band, step your leg down straight, and then step off of the box or whatever you're standing on um, to get into position. Um, And then from there, once you're in that full hang, we always recommend thinking about driving your elbows down toward the floor instead of thinking about pulling yourself up. When you think about pulling yourself up, you tend to kind of yank on the bar, you lose a lot of tension, and you think about speed over anything else. With driving your elbows down, it helps you to really maintain tension throughout the entire motion. And that intention alone just kind of, I don't know 
I don't, I don't exactly, I don't know the science behind why, but it really helps to stay, to keep the, the pull-up smooth. Yeah, it's just a stronger, yeah, just a stronger intention and thought process. And I think the other side benefit of it is when people think about pulling themselves up, everything goes up. Right. Yeah. So shoulders go sho- up. Yeah. Their shoulders yeah. shrug. Their shoulder. Um. Their traps shrug up. Like everything kind of comes up, and that puts a lot of strain on your neck and your face and all that sort of stuff. By driving the elbows down, everything that needs to stay down will stay down <laughs> as you're driving yourself up. So right. it's just it just ends up being a stronger action overall. Yeah, I would say driving your elbows down it really just like engages your lats right away, mm-hmm. as opposed to if you shrug, it's very hard to get your lats involved, and your lats are a huge muscle group that's helping to get you over the bar yeah and it's very similar to when we talk about deadlifts and how we say thinking about pushing the floor away or driving the floor away with your legs has a much stronger action than pulling the bar up because people tend to bend their elbows or they let their chest drive up first and it just ends up being less of a strong action yeah so So it just more naturally gets you into a, a really good position instead of having to say keep your shoulders down don't put tension in your neck like saying all these cues that just thinking about driving your elbows down kind of just naturally gets you into the right position. Yeah, it just takes care of all of that. Yeah. And then we want to make sure that with each and every rep, you're getting your chin above the bar and not by raising your Mm. chin up to the bar and squeaking out a repetition, but actually thinking about getting yourself so that your sternum hits the bar. Yeah. Wait, no, your collarbone. Collarbone, yeah. (laughs) That would be really high. (laughs) Uh, So that your collarbone hits the bar. So really trying to get to clear the bar with your chin and get low enough on your collarbone that you've hit a really solid repetition yeah so we we definitely see people especially when they first come into our gym of just kind of cranking their necks getting their chin just barely above the bar and having that be a rep but ultimately that's gonna not set you up for success in the long run right Right. we want to get full range of motion all the way through because eventually your neck won't be able to reach that far (laughs) so get used to pulling all the way up through your collarbone yeah Um, and then from there our technique i would say once we get the band position down, once you get the general principles of driving the elbows down instead of pulling yourself up to the bar, I would say the thing that we always cue the most with our members is that initial start position, right? Mm -hmm. So they're hanging off the bar, they're ready to go, and now your inclination here is let me kind of use a little bit of momentum, let me kick my legs, let me kind of drive my chest forward and then swing it back in order to pull yourself up, right? And so you lose that sort of first 20 degrees of range of motion and i think that 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 ends up being a huge um uh crutch basically in the long run because you're relying on momentum and then not only that the band the reason why the bands are so great is they help you out the most at that bottom position and so if you compound that sort of band assistance with also using momentum on the way up you're never actually training that first 20 degrees of range of motion, right? And so what we've noticed is that when we are kind of lax about coaching that aspect, people get to a point where they're strong enough to do um, unassisted or assisted pull-ups with the thinnest band, but can never quite get to that unassisted pull-up because they've neglected that first 20 degrees or so. So they're kind of stuck at the bottom. And they tell us, you know, if I just use a little bit of a jump, then I can pull myself up to the bar easily. Yeah. And that's because that's the motion that they've trained, but they've neglected that the first few inches are just so critical in order to start the, the, the pull-up motion correctly. Right. Yeah, absolutely. So we always cue to start the pull-up 
slow and smooth. Slow and smooth. Slow yep. and smooth. And that is definitely counterintuitive when you're like hanging under the bar and you just want to get over the bar. You want to th- you t- tend to think about getting up there as quickly as possible, just getting the rep over with. Yeah. And the faster you move, the faster it'll be over. And so that tendency is definitely there and we understand why it's there. So it it really helps to be intentional with slowing down the movement and thinking about smoothness instead of speed. Yeah. And this is actually something that we apply with really every lift, yeah. right? Um, I'll go back to deadlifts again. When people are all set to deadlift, their their hips are in a good position, their backs are flat, they're right about to lift, and then they think about just pulling the bar off the floor as quickly as possible. And when that happens, usually backs round, usually hips shoot up, usually something funky kind of happens because they lose a little bit of tension during that rushed process. And we have to relate to them that imagine that you're trying to drive a car. You wouldn't just go from zero to 60 by slamming on the accelerator. You would kind of ease into it, and that would have a better net effect than slamming on the accelerator because right. otherwise you would just spin out, right? right? So you lose you, you lose that control and you lose that stability by trying to rush it too much. Right, definitely. And we, we have also... It's also really important to make the distinction of what you're trying to accomplish versus what somebody else might be trying to accomplish. So I know, mm. especially with pull-ups... If you are somebody who's very experienced with pull-ups and you're trying to get as many reps as possible in a certain amount of time because you already have, you know, 20 bodyweight pull-ups under your belt and now you're going for more specialized training methodologies, you might think about speed for pull-ups because you need to get as many reps in as possible before you fatigue. And so you're going really fast. But what we're specifically talking about here is attaining your first pull-up, which will lead to your second pull-up and your third pull-up. And we're not, we don't want to use strategies that somebody is using for who already has 20 pull-ups under their belt. That's not going to be very helpful for you right now. Hopefully in the future when you get there, it will be. But right now, try to focus on the steps that are are going to be actually very beneficial for right now where you're at in your journey. Yeah, that's a very good point, especially when you see on Instagram people just knocking out tons and tons of pull-ups, and they're using this form where it's like really explosive from the bottom, but they've gotten to the point where they have mastered that initial first ascent process, Mm -hmm. and uh, now that they can apply specialized techniques because they are more experienced at it now. Exactly. That's a great point. Um, I would say another kind of coaching technique is Slow and smooth also on the way down. Mm. So a lot of people will get up to the bar, perfect form, collarbone at the bar, shoulders aren't shrugging, everything looks great. And then they'll just kind of basically just drop. They'll let gravity take over while still hanging onto the bar. But basically now you're neglecting half of the movement. Like you've already gotten the hard part out of the way. So you might as well just kind of control, lower yourself on the way down. And that extra half rep, that really adds up over time and really builds a lot of strength. Eccentric training, slow lower training really helps to build a lot of strength, especially if you've patterned that pull up on the front end. Yes, definitely. And yeah, there's a reason that people use slow eccentrics as a form of pull up training because yeah, you can you can be a lot stronger in the eccentric portion yep right so mm-hmm. like if even if you can't do a pull-up you probably could do a lower down yep um, because you're able to just utilize yeah, I, yeah you're stronger in the lower down and then also it um it breaks down your muscles a lot more significantly than just the raising up motion right which we, then creates more muscle repair which then creates stronger muscle <laughs> exactly yeah so eccentric training is great um which is why you should include it within your within actual, your actual repetition. Yeah. So definitely yeah. make sure that you're going 
uh, slow and smooth on the way up and slow and smooth on the way down. And then finally, making sure on the way down, you slowly and smoothly lower down until your arms are completely straight. And then you go step up onto the box. And what we see a lot of is people are a little bit nervous and apprehensive. So they're lowering themselves down and they get about halfway down and then they start looking back for the box or the bench <laughs> behind them and they try to reach their leg back. And all you need to think about is, let me slowly lower myself down to a full hang and then I know the box is a half a foot behind me. So once I'm done, just slowly reach my free foot back to the box or bench and then I'm good. Yeah. Right. So it, there is a tendency to be, to freak out and suddenly think that the box isn't going to be there <laughs> or it's <laughs> way further back than you think. And to try to like reach your like super far back and not fully complete the rep, but make sure you slowly and smoothly go all the way down and then step off. Yeah. All right, cool. So that is the form and technique portion, which is which took a full 10 minutes, but that makes <laughs> sense. Um, now we're going to go into a general program, like sets and reps. Like how do you even go about understanding where you should go with sets and reps? And I think what most people tend to do is if they say or if they hear that you should do band assisted pull-ups, they just take a band, go to failure, do that for a couple sets, and then they try it again next week, and then they try an unassisted pull-up and see if it worked yeah. out, right? So... <laughs> We want to just set the expectation that this is going to be a much longer-term process. And with our members that achieve, we're, we're going to explain the general strategy here um, that will work for most people. But with our members that achieve, sometimes we have to slow down the strategy. Sometimes we can speed up the strategy. But we're going to talk to you today just about how you can use what we call a straight linear periodization model in order to get to your first pull-up by slowly and systematically increasing the amount of volume that you're doing and uh, and repetitions that you're doing with the pull-up. Yes. All right. So number one, we really don't want to go to failure or really even that close to failure, right? Yeah. Um, the reason for that is when you are getting close to failure, pull-ups are extremely taxing. And so let's say set one, you go to failure. Set two and set three are going to be really difficult and really tough. Your body's going to be wiped out from that max effort. And those reps are going to be are going to start to get sloppy, or you just won't be able to do them at all. Right? right? We see so many times where people will do a band assisted set for eight reps, and then the next reps, the next set is three reps, and then the final set is like one rep. And altogether, they've gotten twelve wow. reps there. Now you could have easily gotten a set of fifteen, or or a total volume of fifteen reps by doing three sets of five most likely with really good form throughout those three sets of five. Um, and so it's more about the total repetition than it is how many reps in any given set. Yes. And it's kind of like how runners prepare for a marathon. They try to get their total volume of mileage up, not just how many miles did they do on that one particular run, right? So by taking that sort of step back and understanding, okay, how did I add to my total reps and volume this week or this month than it is on this one particular set that will set you up better in the long run. Right. Yeah, definitely. And that's the the biggest mistake that we see with programming for, or I guess a lack of programming for pull-ups is just the, the attempt it randomly, like see how many you can do, kind of like always challenging yourself to see where you're at as opposed to following a very like laid out systematic approach that oftentimes will feel 
a little bit too easy. Mm-hmm. Like you're saying, like you could have easily gotten five sets of five for a total of 15 reps. And at the end of that, you might feel like, did I do enough? Like, yeah. was that enough? But if you had gone up to the bar and done your eight reps and felt like, wow, I really pushed it there, but then only got two and then only got one, like your total volume wasn't as as good. And yeah. so, and that is really what's going to spark your actual progress moving forward. So making it so that it feels almost a little bit too easy is absolutely the way to go here. Yes, definitely. And with our members, what we tell them to do is instead of prescribing a very specific rep repetition, like saying you're going to do sets of seven here, we, we tell them at first to start at grease the groove. Mm-hmm. And what grease the groove basically means is stopping as soon as a rep starts to slow down. And so that will probably mean that you'll leave three three reps or so in the tank, two to three, maybe three to four reps in the tank um, before you start to slow down. And that basically ensures that you're not going to failure and that you're not going too close to failure either. And you're able to sustain that sort of effort level across all of your sets. Yeah. So we like to say grease the groove. Which uh, is not our term. That was yeah. Pavel, Pavel Tatsuli's that yeah. term. <laughs> that is a, uh, yeah, from a... Uh, from a, a Russian person named Pavel who brought kettlebell training over to the United States. Yeah, so that's and that grease the groove term uh, is is widely used with kettlebell training as well, but we think really really applies to pull ups. Yes. Um, so I would say the first thing that you want to do is use a band that you can do eight reps with, but actually only do five reps with. So that kind of keeps up with the grease the groove theme, right? And so let's say you can use a one and three quarters inch band for eight reps. We'd want you to take that band and do five reps with it. And so week one, we'd want you to do three sets of five with that band. And like Lauren just mentioned, after three sets of five, you're going to be like, oh, I could do another one. Or I could have probably done three sets of seven or three sets of you know, six or whatever it might be. You'll feel like you left a lot on the table. And that is actually a good thing. And that is that just means that you built up strength without actually wearing down your body, which means that you can more consistently train the pull-up pattern, which is ultimately going to be the driver for your success. Yes. Right? So yep. that's three sets of five is week one, okay? And we'll talk about how many times per week to, to do that um, later on. Um, week two, what we'd recommend is instead of increasing the repetitions, we'd actually like you to increase the sets. So week two, do four sets of five. Week three, you're going to do five sets of five. So you went from three to four to five. So you've been increasing your total volume over the weeks. Now, we don't like to just say increase by one set every single week. Eventually, your body's going to get to a point where your elbows are going to feel funky. Your shoulders are going to feel funky. You're not going to feel strong um, overall. And so every fourth week or so, we like to do what we call a deload. So we take the volume down, um, back down to three sets. But now, instead of doing three sets of five, we actually say, let's do three sets of six. So the previous week, you did... What 30. Was you did... Yeah. Five sets of Yeah, you did five. five sets of five. You did 25, 25 total reps. But you now deloaded back down to three sets of six, which is 18 total reps. So it's a lot less, fewer reps, but you're actually sneaking in an extra rep per set. Right. So that's kind of a, a sneaky way of deloading, but also spurring progress as well. Now, the following week after that, do four sets of six. The following week, do five sets of six. And then deload back down, but then add a repetition again. So now you're back down to three sets, but for seven reps. And basically, you just repeat that process over and over until you get to five sets of eight. Once you get to five sets of eight, we want you to drop down a band size 
and go back to three sets of five and repeat the process again. And I'll just type this all out in the show notes because that was kind of a lot of numbers to go through. <laughs> um, but it'll make sense once you see it all written out of the general strategy. And what you'll notice is that that takes you about 10 to 12 weeks or so for each band drop down. Right. So that's almost three months per band. And that should automatically set the, ex- set the expectation that pull-ups aren't going to happen next week right. or next month. It's, it's going to be a slow process. And some people can get there quicker than others. And we kind of um, might speed up the process for some people. But for the most part, this is a very safe and kind of foolproof way of going about it. Yeah, I think that it can sound overwhelming to think about it taking that long for something that you wish you could do right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, and that's the same with any fitness goal though. Like people want fast results no matter what, whether yeah. it's weight loss or whether it's strength gain, like all of it, people want to know how to do it in the fastest way possible. But the fastest way possible is typically not the sustainable way, typically not the safe way, typically not the way that's going to help you to keep stay that way. <laughs> Yeah. You know, and it goes for it goes for all aspects of life, really. And so for pull ups, instead of thinking so much about the outcome of finally being able to do that single rep, trying to be mindful of each each time you go and do a set, you're getting closer to that Mm -hmm. as opposed to feeling frustrated that you're not there yet, Um, because that will then lead you to start doing things like, you know, specialized variety like we were talking about or or just jumping up on the bar and trying one and then feeling disappointed or going to failure. Yeah, exactly. Trying to do all these strategies that we promise you and we know because we've seen it happen time and time again are not going to be the way to get there. Yes, definitely. So yeah, that we hopefully, hopefully that kind of just sets the expectation that this is going to be a bit of a process. Yeah. And it Um, depends on what band you're starting with. If you're, if you're close and you're starting this process with a half inch band, it should take you about, you know, a couple months. Yeah, you yeah, know, actually, that's a good you point. Know, but if you're starting with the three-quarter inch band or with the or the one and three-quarter inch band, you know, you have three or four bands to to go with this whole process. So it might take you about a year. Yeah, but we will say, pretty much across the board, the success rate for this from from I would say four to twelve months of consistent training for pull-ups. If the person actually wants to get their first pull-up, like. It's almost 100%. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's just, it's just, it just works. We've had so many people say that they never, ever actually thought they would get a real pull-up. Yeah. That they would do a, an unassisted pull-up. Um, and But they just follow the program and they just come in and do their reps and kind of just trust it. And it works every time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think your your friend, one of your best friends, Emily, yeah. is, a, is a great testament to this where she was used to, I mean, she did class pass she's used to these like really high intensity classes and you you started her off with the three sets of five with a really heavy band and she was like i didn't even sweat this workout right and i think she was questioning it a little bit and then i think what was it like five months in six months in we had a um we we had this competition called the battle of the am versus pm where we had our morning crew duke it out with the the pm crew at noon um (laughs) with like a fitness contest and it was just a lot of fun and she happened to be involved in the pull-up contest. And she went from zero un- uh, assisted pull-ups with, a, what, a one, one and three quarters, I think? Quarters, one I think? Three quarters, yeah. yeah. And she ended up doing 12? I think so. 12 it, was, it was insane. unassisted yeah. pull-ups. It was, it was unbelievable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, once we kind of talked her through the process, she stuck with it. And kudos to her because she was crushing them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, and basically, like, the... 
moral, I guess, of the story there is that they're like she she didn't train to do twelve pull ups. I think it was eight pull ups, but like Okay. She, oh, it was actually her her fiance that or her husband did. Yeah, I think did he 12. Did 12. Yeah, yeah. Um no, I think they tied. They tied. Oh really? Oh. Maybe it was twelve. I don't know. Anyway, details. A lot but of pull ups basically. It was a lot of pull ups. <laughs> but um she wasn't in the gym every day trying to get 12 pull-ups. Mm. You know, like this was a moment where she got to put all of her effort and all of her hard work to the test and kind of see where she was at. But she hadn't even, I think she had been before that, like even in her training session prior to this competition, I think she was doing sets of five bodyweight pull-ups. Yeah. You know, so like she so was true. still following the process and she was still, she, no, none of us even knew she was capable of doing that many yeah. pull-ups because there was no need to do that because she did go to failure in that moment right yeah. and for if she was actually doing a workout and trying to get better she would never like she wouldn't have been able to do any reps after that it totally. would have been her whole workout and 12 pull-ups as a total volume of your workout isn't really that many yeah so she would probably have been doing three four or five sets of five instead and just maintaining that strength and over time progressing so this is where just following this plan then you kind of every once in a while you get to see where you're at and test it out and that's really fun but it's not necessarily the way to train all the time exactly yeah yeah that's perfect um and now as far as frequency goes like how many times per week you should do this um we would recommend probably a minimum of two times Mm -hmm. i would say two times a week um is kind of a is is a good starting point i would say one time a week is still just going to be a little bit too small of a frequency yeah two times a week is definitely sustainable um i would say three times a week is optimal Mm -hmm. um and if you have if you have four or five like multi more than that times a week um that's where you actually need to be even a little bit more specific with your programming i would say because that's when you start to creep into a lot of reps per week and that can get really kind of too much on your elbows and too much on your shoulders and all that and you would want to have shorter pull-up sessions pull-up practice sessions multiple times a week but two to three seems to be a really good sweet spot for most people yeah yeah and it's actually just repeating the same workout so week one you do three sets of five on a monday and then three sets of five on let's say a thursday um and that just gets your practice in again um now special circumstances so this is where we might um kind of deviate from this plan a little bit and you know now that i'm thinking about it, i'm like i don't even we went through this whole diatribe of uh of trusting the process and now i'm talking about ways you can kind of maybe speed things along so maybe, <laughs> maybe we should skip over this part but basically what i was going to say is at, at achieve if we know that someone has a like more strength than a tank basically we might skip one of these steps so we might say okay instead of going with the full four-week progression before adding a repetition, we might just add a repetition. We might go from three sets of six to three sets of seven to three sets of eight um, and so on and so forth and kind of repeat that process until we feel like they need to kind of slow things down a little bit. But forget I just said that. No, it's just a very (laughs) – it's helpful. And if you're a coach listening, it's helpful to know that not every person, not every human being is the same and is going to respond exactly the same way to training. So there are certain people who have a longer exercise history or just have more body awareness, whatever it is, just kind of like – you know, things click for them a little bit faster. And so if that's the case, you don't want to feel like you're holding them back. So if Mm -hmm. they really feel – if it really seems like, okay, this is – this is going slower than it needs to go for this person, then yeah, allowing for 
uh, a little bit of variation from this plan or deviation from this plan is is okay. It's yeah, not the end of the world, true. and it's it could potentially help them. But it's very much you you definitely just need to know that that is the case for you or that is the case for your client instead of just saying like this seems slow let's try to speed it up yeah yeah. you know it has there has to be some pretty clear indication yeah um one other special circumstance is if you notice a like a certain sticking point let's say at the very bottom or at the very top you could add in iso holds you could do partial reps in this instance and so a lot of people have trouble right the very last point where they're basically going from chin to collarbone right because we like to emphasize that very last bit of extra range of motion um, in which case we might recommend um, partial repetitions in that zone. We might recommend iso holds at the very top of the movement. We've actually even included bicep curls for certain folks because we realized that bicep strength was more of a limiting factor than actual um, back strength or uh, pulling consistency. Um, so this is where some special circumstances might come into play where we might deviate the plan, deviate the plan a smidge. But again, overall, the main gist is slowly add repetitions over time and then slowly decrease bands over time without going to failure yes right that's if we could sum this podcast up in one sentence (laughs) um and then lastly i would say going into this whole thing is general strength really helps a lot right so if you are deadlifting if you are doing rows and push-ups and squats and bench pressing like basically doing compound lifts around this pull-up strategy, it's going to expedite the process even more, right? Yes, for sure. So instead of just focusing on pull-ups, having just a comprehensive total body strength training program is going to get you stronger overall, and that's going to indirectly affect your gains. But those indirect gains are pretty significant when you are doing things like deadlifts that's increasing your grip strength and overhead presses that's increasing your shoulder strength and all that sort of good stuff. Yeah, I mean, and that goes for all all training, like all aspects of your training is is, as long as you're – strength training in general you're probably not going to like say you and we talk about this with injuries all the time so say you kind of like tweaked your knee and you don't want to squat for a little while because you're 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 kind of making sure that your knee is okay if you keep deadlifting and you keep bench pressing and you keep doing push-ups and you mm. keep doing glute bridges and all that stuff you're not going to lose a ton of strength in your squat yeah because you were just maintaining your overall strength and so then when you return to squats it's not like you're starting from from step one day one of you ever squatting you have this general amount of strength that's still there because of the strength you've maintained through all the other lifts so yeah it just really really helps to be strong overall no matter like the specifics that you're doing with yes yeah yeah Yeah, perfect um oh one more thing is we we talked about people randomly jumping up and testing to see if they can do an unassisted pull-up or not don't test your unassisted pull-up until you can do, what do you think, like five I usually to, say six to eight. Six to eight reps with, with the, the half-inch half band. band. Slow and smooth, very solid reps. Once you could do that, then we'd recommend testing it out. On a day where you feel fresh, where you've rested for a couple of days, you had a good night's sleep, and you're just feeling good, that's when you want to attempt it, right? Yes, there's so much to say for waiting and being patient with with attempting that first rep because if you do it too early and you don't succeed and you've been spending all of this time Mm. practicing for this moment preparing for this moment you're the mental 
like it's so mentally draining and yeah. the emotional reaction and response to that is going to set you back. It's yeah. really going to. So totally. absolutely make sure that you are, you want to get to the point where you're so confident you've followed it to a T you've, you've got six to eight reps really solidly with that half inch band. And you want to feel good about that attempt. You want to feel like I got this, I can do this, not questioning. Is this the right time? Should I yeah. do it? And then if you fail, um, feeling like, it was all for nothing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, I think and you just talked about the mental aspect of it, but but physically it takes a toll as well. And I, I think a lot of um, mm. trainers don't really talk about this because it's kind of just like, oh, let me just jump up to the bar and let me just try it out. But that is an, ultimately that's a max effort that you're putting into this lift. Right? right. And so we would never just go out and try out a max deadlift or a max squat or uh, our max distance that we can run like that is a very planned event and pulling out it, it seems very innocent because you can just come back down to your box and like nothing ever happened but it it, just, it takes a toll on you and that's going to set your training back as well because the next week you're not going to be able to do your full sets and reps because you've already exhausted them basically you're yeah. exhausting your muscle groups um to do that so you you've taken your training a step back and all that as well so mentally physically it's just it's a smart decision to just delay that process as long as possible until you feel really confident yeah yeah, yeah. All, right. all right well we thought we would talk about pull-ups for maybe 15 minutes and it's been 40 <laughs> minutes so <laughs> i mean 10 10 minutes of that i think was talking about sleep training so yeah. <laughs> if you want to fast forward through that <laughs> you can get to the actual content at about 10 minutes but, but yeah. yeah this is something that we always feel like we want to like we put, put you know a pull up post here and there on Instagram, but we always feel like it needs so much more context and that yeah. there's really so much more that goes into just saying use this band and follow this program. Like it's not just about the program. It's not just about the implement you're using. It's not just about the form. It's all of it needs to come together from form, technique, sets and reps, frequency, all of that mindset. needs to, yeah, mindset, yeah. it all needs to be there in order to see the progress that, that we're kind of promising. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, it has to, has to all come together. So but yeah, I mean, we don't give like very blanket strategies and statements too often, but like th this has just been time and time again, we've seen this work to a T almost systematically. So yes. yeah. just, just trust it, follow it and you'll definitely get there. And you'll hear people say, that bands don't work and yeah you, like, see, you hear that all, all the time, time. Yeah. and we're always so confused but then we're like well sure bands don't work if you don't have a strategy bands don't work if you're mm. not using correct form bands don't work if you're not following That's a true. program so it's so easy to demonize something if it hasn't worked for you or if you haven't been following something um that has been proven to be successful but bands work if you do them the right way yeah. <laughs> for sure um so don't you know kind of try to eliminate the noise if you are if you want to start something like this just try to focus on sticking with this and not getting too distracted by shiny shiny objects you know yeah what's, in what's the that? form of specialized in the, variety. For, in the form of specialized variety or people <laughs> telling you that what you're doing is stupid or whatever yeah yeah yeah, yeah. all right all right if you enjoy this podcast please leave us a review on whichever platform you subscribe to um itunes is great Preferably itunes um subscribe if you haven't already and until next time sweat out happiness in Boop.